0: You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah youths. Now your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott.
1: Welcome on in to the Utah Man podcast on this episode. We take a look back as Utes drop a game against the Trojans, and we look ahead to the Washington State Cougars, and we're joined by Michael Preston from Coug Center. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation. And Scott. I'm back, baby. I'm all bronzed up, ready to talk about some football. Let's just take a moment to remember Utah's playoffs hopes. It was fun while it lasted.
2: The year was 2019. Utah was getting all this national pop. The sun came up just like any other morning. And it was all dashed. By a four string quarterback.
1: Holy crap, so Utah's playoffs hopes obviously are dead now, dropping a game at USC.
0: Wow. I did not see that coming the way it came. You very rarely do, Bob.
1: (laughs) So yeah, USC comes away with the with a victory, thirty to twenty three. But really if you look at the statistics We won the game. We won the statistics. Utah won the statistics, but not the scoreboard.
2: Well, I've been told many times on Twitter that that's really what counts. Had those 16 penalties
1: not happened, we would have won. Had that turnover not happened on the goal line, Utah would have won. Yikes, that was
2: was an unfortunate game. (laughs) Yeah. You know, no, so I was, I was, I was pretty, we were texting after the game Friday night and I was, I was a little heated as was everybody on Twitter. I woke up kind of, I woke up Saturday pretty, feeling pretty good, even though we lost and our playoff hopes were dead.
0: I wasn't as mad Saturday morning as I was Friday night, but it still stung. It was just like, you know, you wake up and the first thing that comes to your mind was, was the game and you're just like, it's that, pit in your stomach that you're just like i can't believe we let that slip away letting it slip
1: away like that i think is a way to put it i went back and watched the game and you watched
0: it twice i did (laughs) oh my gosh
1: honestly i utah this time in spanish i (laughs) i thought utah played better like what watching it the second time i i came away with utah played better than watching it live
2: well, I mean if you look at the statistics, I mean you dominated the game outside of penalties in the scoreboard.
0: <laughs> I mean, the time of possession was unreal. It it just came well, we all know what it came down to. You couldn't put it you couldn't put points on the board when you were on the 1-yard line twice. And then just mental mistakes with p- holding penalties by the line and wide receivers at crucial times of the game
2: but for you guys what what was the obviously the o line had their issues the secondary had their issues what's more concerning of those two just take away from that game or 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 i should say maybe what
0: what could which of the two could be more easily fixed i well i think the ones that can be easy, at least in my opinion easily fixed would be the holding penalties on the offense i i don't think any of us saw the Lack of of execution that we saw by our secondary. I mean, we've been touting these guys, and not just us. I mean, media around this country has been touting the secondary. They just went right at Jalen Johnson, the first play. Maybe not the first play of the game.
2: No, I believe it was the first play of the game. And they, I mean, they they weren't scared. They came out firing and just saying, "Hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna attack you guys. We got nothing to lose." And I mean. Clay Helton talked about it today. It was a playoff atmosphere. Um, their guys thrived off of that. They were, I mean, this is a rivalry game. This is a game, Clay Helton said it post-game. The winner of the South is going to probably be determined out of that game. And that's how it's been in years past. And so that's why that game was so important for Utah is because it gives, obviously, them a leg up, obviously. But but they were hungry for that game. I haven't been able to figure out Blackman came out after the game and says we weren't ready to play.
0: How the heck does that happen? Yeah, I don't get that because we, we've heard these guys talk all off season and all during fall camp about what their goal is and how determined they are and why these, these uh, four or five guys decided to come back uh, because they had unfinished business. I mean, they had it there. They said all the right things leading up to this game, and then they go into this game, and they didn't treat it as a big deal. Well, I think it goes back, Ryan, you and I talked about
1: this on an episode right before the season started, was can Utah play being the favorite? then being voted the Pac-12 champion by the media even before any football was played, they haven't been in that situation. Winningham has never been in that situation. They always played with the chip on the shoulder being an underdog well, and, that, and, and that, I have to think that kind of plays into it, and that ultim that ultimately at that moment, put a bullseye
2: on their back against everybody they play, and 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 really, you know, people have been talking about it. Have those the lack of good competition in those first three games is that part of the problem? Is you you didn't get tested for conference play, and. Obviously, you know, it would have been nice to have a warm up against an Oregon State or, um, you know, maybe a lesser Pac twelve team. But right out of the gates, you're facing USC on the road. I mean, you haven't the program hasn't won there in like what a hundred years. Yeah, I and, mean, but granted, they've never won there in in the Pac twelve play. Well, for sure. And then and then on top of that, you they all knew how important that game was. They knew USC was going to give them their best shot. They knew. Clay Helton's coaching for his life. How how on earth do you not come out ready to play when you're basically your season to an extent is on the line? That that's to me was the question is why there wasn't more urgency, why they allowed USC just to kick him in the
0: mouth. I, I completely agree, but then when you look at some of those balls their quarterback was just throwing up for grabs, you don't have to care to make a play on the ball. I mean, even if you think you weren't ready for that game, they, they took such poor angles of attack and didn't play the ball. I mean, they just let the receiver go up. They were just waiting for him to come down with it and then hope they could tackle him.
2: Tyreek Lewis on that 78-yarder to um, Pittman, had he been playing flag football? That was a horrendous effort in even
1: <laughs> trying to touch his waist. I mean, it, he, he put forth no effort on that. It was bad. They, I mean, they picked on him a lot all game. USC has five-star talent. For sure. They might not be a great team, but they have great individuals that can make you pay if you make mistakes. And Utah made just too many mistakes.
2: And they have the ability to put it together a handful of games every year. We've seen it. We've been the recipient of that multiple times since we joined the Pac-12. There's games that they'll just walk through. Could care less and just put forth average performance. And then all of a sudden they get fired up and they look like they're unbeatable. And, and, and the thing, the thing that kind of gives me some hope in this is obviously you look across the stats, we outgained them. We had more first downs. We nearly doubled them up in time of possession. We controlled that game outside of a few big plays by their offense. And to me, that just goes to show that we really actually played a decent game. I mean, we give up a quick seven points. We marched right down, answered it. Fairly at, fairly easily. Fairly too. easily. At that moment, I thought, we've got this. They're not going to continue to do that. Well, they did. They, they did continue to, to make big plays and, 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 and hurt us through the passing game. But then our offense really died, kind of just died out a little bit, and that really comes down to the offensive line because they they just were, were not good in pass protection. They were good running the ball between the 20s. We've talked about this previously. But come
1: short yardage, come goal line situations and in the red zone,
2: man, we struggle to get one to two yards.
1: You know, as we're looking at this game, let's really just focus on the offense right now. You know, I thought Huntley played well. Twenty-two of thirty, he ran for his life the whole game, especially in that second half. Uh, but I know a lot of people are talking about play calling. I, I thought it it was well. I thought it was good. Maybe goal line, some question marks. What What do you guys think on on play calling?
0: I thought overall, I I really liked it. And and he, Cameron, you and I kind of started. I think about it, maybe the three of us were texting about it during the first half of the game. How there was so much. There was so many different play calls it was keeping keeping USC's defense off balance and they were moving the ball completing passes chunks of yards in the run game and then you get down to the goal line and it's just like I don't know if it's the play calls if it's execution I personally I don't agree with the zone read on the inside the five yard line it just takes too long to defend or too long to develop and we saw what happened I mean just to their defense was in there, knocked the ball out at the hand at the point of attack and then the half ended and we could have been in the lead. I mean
2: it's always easy as right as a fan to second guess and and to sit back and criticize after the fact. but but Mike I guess my concern is we when we would attack the edges in the run game, we gashed them. Constantly, we're getting big chunks of plays. Um, Vickers, Vickers on that, on
1: that sweep. Any fly Mm -hmm. sweep? They, I mean, so Vickers had four carries for 26 yards, averaging over six yards a carry. Yeah. I mean, he, he was getting to the edge every time. And that's what I thought they were going to do when they got towards the goal line.
2: Well, and then, and then we get to the goal line, we just keep running it up the gut. And especially when it wasn't working. And as that game wore on, our offensive line just continued to get worse and worse. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, well, yeah, we ran for for 247 yards, so that's nothing against a USC team. That's nothing to to be ashamed of. Those
0: are those are good. <laughs> yeah, but how many of those yards came off of necessity, necessity from Huntley trying to escape? Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. I mean, he's, well, Huntley the, finishes, a lot of it. Yeah, is the second half. Huntley finishes with 60 yards with 18
1: carries. He, those weren't 18 designed carries oh, for Huntley. No. That's why I a couple of them were, but for the most part,
0: he was he, just running he was for just his running life
1: the whole second half. And I think that's really what what's disheartening. And Scott, you kind of threw it out earlier. You know, what, what's, what's worse, the, the secondary or the O line? And to me, it's the O line. This is the first real competition they've had and they just, they were terrible flat
2: out. No, they, they, they weren't good. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I, I think part of that is we, we keep, shuffling the lineup a little bit. Maya starts at right guard, and he lasted, I don't even think he lasted a, a full quarter. And, 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 and then they moved Nick Ford in. Then they moved Nick Ford in, and they bring um, Moala um, to play a right tackle. And, you know, obviously that's out of necessity, injuries, right? But uh, I, that's that's playing a factor in just the continuity of the of the team.
0: There's no chemistry. Just, just knowing, knowing,
2: knowing uh, um, and working together and being able to, to, to make those correct reads. But, but you've seen it through every game this year. F- through four games, the defense is continually run blitzing this O-line, which is part of our problem why we're so bad on short yardage is because our O-line is not picking them up. And, and you're getting guys in the backfield that are getting free runs at, at the running back. And USC actually killed us on the stunts. I mean, some of those replays, we got two two guys running into each other and two of their linemen running free towards mm. Huntley. I mean, to to me, that's the biggest concern because overall, that secondary performance was very un-Utah-like. But if you look about it, the sec, the second uh, touchdown that Fink threw, that he was almost sacked um on the play he he gets out of it scrambles to his right throws it into double coverage against Blackman and Gidry touchdown later in the game again a really an ill advised throw by Fink you've got a guy underneath a guy over the top so guys were in position and so that's uh, where I think really the coaching staff actually is not as far off as I think as a lot of people are saying they were with, with the scheme that they were playing guys were in position to make plays in the secondary. They just never made them outside of the Burgess interception, which was basically thrown right to him. And so I think, I think those can be fixed because a lot of that is just ball skills and, and, and getting more comfortable working on it in practice and going up at the high point and, knocking that ball down, picking it, doing whatever to break the play up, I think that's a little bit easier to fix. Our O-line is what scares me, is because especially if you got Zach, if we're without Zach Moss for a game, two, three, whatever, um, I've got pretty good confidence in these young running backs, but they're not as skilled at the blitz pickup, and you've got an
1: O-line that's kind of in shambles in front of them. So my only kind of argument to that is, you yep have Harding who I think is a phenomenal offensive line coach. He is, he is. And Andy Lugwig who is a very bright, smart OC. And maybe now that they have some actual game footage of their O-line getting destroyed, maybe that can help them address those issues and come up with different schemes, different um uh packages to to kind of help those weaknesses
2: well and i and i have no doubt that this O line's going to get better over the course of the season because they they have every year under harding he he gets improvement out of his out of his line every year my question is how quickly are we going to see that because are we going to see it against washington state or are we going to see it after the bye week against oregon state and so i that that's that's to me is our biggest concern is how quickly are we going to be able to fix those mistakes on the O line
0: we need to see it at least some improvement this week because after watching UCLA come back on Washington State, uh, Thompson, UCLA's quarterback, had plenty of time
2: well, that's to the, throw the ball. That's the key. And found open guys. When, when he started picking them apart, I mean, he was back there all day. Yeah. just Just waiting for routes to develop, and then he'd hit the guy. Tyler has not had that luxury so far in four games to sit back there untouched in no hurry to just wait for, for for routes to develop. And and that's the problem is you've got to get to that point and you've got to get to it quick. Because you're not going to be able to run your way to victories
0: no, from here could, on out. You've I mean,
2: got to be able you've got to be able to protect the quarterback. And quite frankly, if if Huntley goes through another game or two like that, he's going to be out for a few
1: games. I yeah. Mean, we'll, no.
2: We don't even know if he's technically going to be ready to go Saturday.
1: I mean, yeah, he was limping after the game, and obviously, and Twitter's a
0: fire <laughs> when
1: he when he's getting hit like that. Even though he's out of the pocket, but just all those carries, it's gonna it's gonna wear on you. And you know, I know we're we're talking about the things that U- Utah did wrong, and I, I want to give USC the credit they deserve because, like what you said, Scott, they came in and, and smacked Utah in the mouth, and Utah didn't really respond the way I think that we're accustomed to seeing a Winningham team play. USC was definitely the more physical team, on the fifty fifty balls. USC were the ones
0: that were going up and getting it, which is which is sad because Utah's always the team that every coach comments on. You when you play Utah, you know it's going to be a battle. These guys are physical, and frankly, their D line out physical our O line, yeah, massive. Now our D line, I thought played great. No, Utah's
1: D-line was was very I think and, even and, the linebackers played played Well, very and they well. were physical. They controlled the line of
2: scrimmage. I mean, they had USC, now USC obviously they you know, they didn't pay all that much attention to the run game. They were not focused on it all that much. But when they did run, they got nothing. They got negative yardage. I mean, they were they were until minus until they needed
0: a first down to run the
2: clock They at, were really. minus 13 until literally that last drive and then they got whatever they wanted at that point. But I thought the D line played well, and they were probably the only unit on that defense that showed anything. Mm-hmm. Secondary was very disappointing. Linebackers were were good in moments, I thought, but um, overall, just a pretty disappointing performance uh, from that defense. And and I will say, I will say, offense. Tyler Huntley, Brumfield came in. Devontae Henry Cole came in. I thought those guys filled in pretty nicely for Moss. Showed pretty well. Wide receivers, for the most part, uh, made some plays when when they had the opportunity to. Um, as much as I love our tight ends in the passing game, man, they still struggle blocking.
0: Oh, that play on the goal line where they both blocked one player and let one one run free to the backfield. Oh.
2: And, and and that's not the first time that's happened.
0: <laughs> no, I know. So the,
2: they they they're continually having some mix-ups and then you had all the holds from oh. tight ends, wide receivers down the field that negated some pretty big plays from this offense and really just cut the momentum and stalled out on some of those drives where we could have gotten some points. I mean, you have seven, was it 7 or 8 trips inside the 30-yard line and you came away with two two touchdowns. Not good, Bob. No. But But to Cam's point, there was a lot of good that came from this game. I mean, you look at those stats and and the things that they were able to do. do, If they can, even with that poor O-line play, if they could have minimized some of those personal fouls and some of those holding penalties, and instead of coming up with 16, get 8 or 9, that right there is probably good enough to win that
0: game. Earlier when I said I was talking about how the O-line problems are fixable i was referring more toward to, to the holding penalties because those are something that can be fixed by the line and the wide receivers now that yeah you run your guys to death and tell them they better, <laughs> yeah, you better run, stop you run gassers i mean look at garrett Bowles. he got called for four in the in one nfl game and he got well, zero yesterday. that's what they need to do elway calls out bowls
2: on radio harlan, harlan just needs <laughs> to come out and just throw him under the bus and say hey look <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nut it up and let's go. I, I think they're good, and I think they're better than what they showed. Um, they had a bad game. They better be. I and mean, they they had a bad game. Uh, hopefully, it's just a one time bad game, and it's not a a continual problem. Um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see how that, that that goes moving forward. Uh, before we before we move from the offense, I I do want to talk about Zach Moss, because um, that I think affected the game a lot, especially in the goal line. I think having Zach Moss down on the goal line, uh, gives Utah, um, a much better option. If I can say that. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of helps Huntley out too in the backfield, having, having your guy there.
2: Well, I mean, he's a, he's a potential first, second round draft pick. So there's no question that it hurts you to lose a guy that's that good and especially a guy that is so good at. Breaking tackles, fixing and after, and fixing after contact.
1: mistakes from the from other yeah. players, especially the O
2: line, and and he could have fixed some of those mistakes that you saw you saw throughout that game. Now, granted, he's he's not Superman; he's not going to be able to do everything because they really just dominated in the trenches in that second half. But I, I it, it was definitely definitely impactful. But I'm not sure it's any more impactful than Slovis going out in the second play and bringing Fink, who is a lot more mobile quarterback. I mean, going in, the game plan around that defense was around a quarterback who was not mobile. And all of a sudden, two plays in, we all think, oh, great, we're going to the third, 4 string guy. Now we got this game in the bag, and, and he brings an element that they didn't prepare for. I mean, I, I legitimately think that we probably would have had more success against Slovis than we did, did against Fink. He played well. He he doesn't have a lot of experience, but he's been in the program a long time. He knows he he just he knows the position. And I and I think that element of being able to escape and and be more mobile kind of threw a wrench
1: in in, in our, our plan a little bit. I think Fink just played within the system. He just and being yeah, know, a more, flies up was a the more system. seasoned quarterback <laughs> rather yeah. than Slovis, who who a younger a younger quarterback they just yeah just throw the home run ball let let your five star wide receivers go up and get it
2: i i literally think i heard fink a
0: couple times pre snap say this one's for 500 <laughs> <laughs> put I, mean, I mean you've got to give credit to their wide receivers they're fantastic i mean when you th- throw a ball up for grab up for grabs and you know you're either going to take a hit or two guys are going to go up for the ball with you, and you come down with it almost every time, you're pretty dang good. Okay, but he didn't take a hit. No, he didn't take a hit. And, so. oh, actually, he wasn't even touched. We, like,
2: escorted him. I think our guys literally r- rolled Roll out, a, out red, a red carpet. <laughs> and we're like,
1: thank you, sir. Proceed. But I think that just goes to the point we made at the beginning of the show, right? Is USC, maybe not a great team together, but five-star talent. You have to have five-star execution, and if you don't, they're gonna burn you. And Utah got burned on a couple big plays that really made the difference.
2: Yeah, one one positive I would say what came out of that game is we found ourselves a kicker. Yes. Yeah. I thought Redding. I mean, he hit three in a row there in the late in the
0: fourth. <laughs> the Each one? time getting getting backed up and then moved forward, back up again. This, uh, that third one was a little iffy, but he he got it through. I mean, that was like a that was like a practice drill I mean, he, did he was have doing.
1: F- the first one blocked, right? And Winningham says it was because of the trajectory of it, and obviously it was a longer field. goal, well, so it's it, going to be a little bit lower again. It, the blocking wasn't good on that first no, one. But he had yeah.
2: three guys in the backfield.
1: But but to your point, yeah. I mean, to have a, a true freshman come in when that's been really shaky. Kind of really solidify that spot. I mean, well, I, I
2: I think it it at the very least it gives it gives him confidence. I think it gives the coaching staff some confidence. that like, okay, you know, instead of we're going to go for fourth down every time because we don't have a kicker, it's they're going to be able to rely on him. Now, granted, assuming he can continue to produce and 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 make the most of his opportunities, but I think that was one big key. Is at least we found we got we got somebody who can put it through the uprights.
0: On the other side of the special teams, though, I'm telling you, Covey's not ready to play football oh, yet. He does not, not. Feel, have. I it. mean, we were
1: texting about this on the night of the game. I I feel bad for Covey. You can well, just tell he just he doesn't,
0: doesn't have the have speed. It. He can't cut like he's like he's used. I, to.
1: I don't. I don't think it'll happen.
0: I think he needs to redshirt. He's played in four games, so I'm, I've said that all season. He still could. Yeah, I mean, by the rules, yes, they but could pull him for he's, the, rest of the season. And and this is this isn't this isn't a critique of him. This is just the the fact
2: of the situation that he's in. You know, it's it's a it's a year long recovery. That's not, not an easy recovery, especially the type of player he is, where he uses those bursts, he uses those cuts to really gain that yardage, gain the separation. And he he just he just he can't separate. He's from he's anybody. Less
0: than nine months away from the tearing his ACL, and he and. But he went through fall camp, I and mean, he's been playing for a while. So this, I mean, I yeah, he's come back too soon. Well, and I, I mean, I can't recall a broken tackle he's made as a receiver.
2: I mean, he's he's done almost nothing as a wide receiver so far this year, and uh, and then absolutely nothing in the punt game, punt return game, and yeah, I just think for his sake, for his confidence level, he needs he needs to get healthy because it's going to be hard to get healthy as the season goes on and as he continues to put use on that and gain the confidence and trust in that leg to plan on it like he used to and you know hopefully he's able to get back to that but it it is a little not only is it not effective for the special teams unit it's 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 not helping him in any way being out there I don't think
3: I
0: mean that's what he, that's what he does he's he's quick and fast through the middle of the field, and you you can't utilize that quality.
2: No, and it, it threw two screens to him early in that game, and he got absolutely hammered on both of them. Now, granted, some of that's not his fault; <laughs> he didn't have a chance. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he just doesn't have that that f- that factor that he had in in really in the two previous seasons that he's been here. Here's so
0: the thing, though, even if Witt told him to, he's Cubby's such a competitor; he's he's not gonna.
2: Well, he's he's almost thirty-five, so he's not going to sit out a year either. So Uh, he'll, he'll. uh, I, I, I think it's probably in his best interest, maybe even in the team's best interest,
0: but I don't see it happening. Who's his? Who's his backup? If he, if they replace him at punt return, is it Simpkins? I think it's Vickers. Yeah, I'd actually
2: like to see Vickers. Man, that dude can fly. He he's kind of come out of
1: nowhere, and, and uh, he he's he's getting more and more work every week. Well, you see, he, every every carry he has, you can see kind of the confidence building. Yeah, I mean he's um, got some, he's, he's
2: got some skill level. I'll had, tell you that and he played great against USC. Yeah, yeah, he was he was definitely a bright spot. So, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, but you need a spark because there's just there's no thread of anything
1: in the in the return game at the moment. So I think that's kind of our thoughts uh from the u s c game, and you know obviously with Utah playing you know lesser opponents uh to start the game to start the season i mean yes there's b y u in there but n i u and idaho state hopefully now they they have more tape of, of what they need to do um and, and they can kind of build on that, and the coaching staff can kind of coach them up from that standpoint. So it does look like we have Michael Preston from Kook Center on the line. Uh, before we bring him on, I'll let you know that interview is brought to you by Double Tree Suites by Hilton in Salt Lake City. They're located at 110 West, 600 South. Give them a call at 801-359-7800, or you can always check them out at Hilton.com. Join us on the phone now is Michael Preston from Coug Mike, thanks for jumping on.
3: Of course, anything for my uh, favorite team in Utah.
1: Hey, hey, that's what we like to hear. First question, I've, I got to ask you, and I don't mean to open up some old old wounds from the weekend, <laughs> but the Washington State UCLA game was the talk of the town on Twitter. I know everyone in Utah stayed up almost to one o'clock watching it. What are your thoughts? What what went wrong in that second half?
3: Well, it can't be an open wound if the scab or, you know, an old wound if the scab's still on there, right? Uh, no, <laughs> no I, I, in fact, right before I hopped on with you, I kind of cut the intro to my own podcast where I went over it and kind of thought up everything. And I, it, it was so funny. All the writers at Cook Center, we share a Slack feed as I'm sure a lot of folks do on other websites. And it was somebody made the remark of, you know, if there were a hundred things that needed to go wrong for that to happen, 105 things went wrong. I, it, it was a collapse unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. Six turnovers in the game. There were five fumbled. UCLA recovered every single one of them. They had two special teams touchdowns and it, it just kind of felt like, you know, someone had been, you know, like the boulder in Indiana Jones, you know, once it gets rolling down the hill coming at you, you're going to get crushed by it. And there was just nothing anybody could do whatsoever to stop it and there, you know Mike leach took three timeouts in the second half trying to slow things down to take the momentum away that didn't work i think the biggest thing for me is that <clears throat> excuse me ucla found something that worked and you know a couple of drives of one play including a one play 94 yard drive it, it literally all just tumbled all the way out of control and there wasn't a leader on that sideline in terms of a player who could try to do their best to slow things down and get the team refocused. You know, last year they had Gardner Minshew, Jalen Thompson, Faith Ballore. There's just nobody over there like that this year, at least not yet. And they need to find that person before Saturday in Salt Lake.
1: And so, I mean, they gave up 67 points. And what you said, not all of it was mm-hmm. on the defense. Uh, Mike Leach's team is really known for their offense, but what's the level of expectation for the defense for Washington State this year?
3: I mean, mine coming into the season was fairly low. You know, the Peyton Pallure, uh graduating, Jalen Thompson ineligible due to taking a performance enhancing substance. Um, they lost some talent on the defensive line, I think more than we thought they did, Um so my expectations were lower. I was kind of expecting them to be average at best, but I certainly think that, you know, the, even, even this is, this, this is a surprise to us. Uh, that, that performance. I, I don't think they are that bad. You know, I don't, I don't think they're 67 points to UCLA, including 50 and one half bad, but I certainly don't think they are only 24 points to Houston or I, I, can't, I think it was 24 points to Houston including just 10 in the second half um, after making some adjustments. So I, I, I think it's somewhere in between. I think they will get a big test this weekend against Utah because Tyler Huntley is a running quarterback. I know Zach Moss is probably not going to play based off how his shoulder was looking in, the US, in that USC game, but it's still a big test for them. This is a different offense than they've seen all year, and it's something they're going to have to adjust to.
0: And
1: Mike Leach, honestly, with his offense, gets a lot of attention, especially from Utah fans, where Kyle Winningham, who is a defensive-minded coach, has just had a lot of problems with it. I think Leach is 4-1 mm-hmm. and one against Kyle, uh, something like that. But what makes that mm-hmm. Washington State offense so hard for defenses?
3: Uh, it's, it's the wide receivers, uh, especially this year. I mean, it, this, this is arguably the most wide receiver depth. I, I know for sure it's the most Washington State's ever had. Uh, it might be the most Mike Leach has ever had. There are legitimately 10 or 11 guys who could rotate in and start, um, on this team. You're going to see, uh, if you look at the depth chart, every single spot at X, Y, H, and Z has an or next to, F. there's an or next to everybody's name. So it just means nobody's the starter. It's just kind of whoever's hot right now. And they get out there and they go. Uh, Des Patman didn't have a great game against UCLA. He dropped the pass. He, uh, got a, bumbled one that UCLA then picked he's my guy I love him but he'd be a really bad team against UCLA um Esau Winston Jr. got four passes he is arguably their most elite receiver Roderick Fisher has really come on nicely he's a Richard freshman from Spokane he's got a great story if you guys haven't I won't go over the whole thing but just go ahead and google Roderick Fisher he's a great story um his speed is really great and Max Forge he can catch out of the backfield as well. So they got a lot of talent at receiver, and I think that is the best asset. Anthony Gordon certainly looks even better than I thought he was going to. But I mean, these wide receivers can cook, man, and they are they are very, very good. And it is it, it would be hard to find a wide receiver core in the country better than the one Washington State has.
1: And you bring up that wide receiver core, and obviously someone's got to give him the ball. You know, Gordon came in kind of having to take over. Uh, from Gardner Minshew. How mm-hmm. how have you feel his performance ha- has been kind of taking over that offense? Obviously, the nine touchdowns against UCLA is phenomenal. But just outside mm-hmm. of that game, how has he been commanding the offense?
3: I think he's been pretty good at it. He's got a pretty good feel for it. And frankly, he should. I mean, this is his fourth year on the program, so he should, he should really know what he's doing uh, when it comes to this offense. Um, I, I think his best attribute is that he can just drop it into a bucket practically anywhere. The guy, you know, a couple of those touchdown passes on Saturday and again against Houston, a couple of long ones. He just flicks his wrist, and it just drops right into the receiver's arm. He's got such a pretty long ball, arguably prettier than any I've seen at Washington State. Connor Halliday could certainly, you know, F-word it, go deep. I mean, he could, he could throw it practically anywhere, and he would do it again, even if he threw an interception. Gordon's a little bit more conservative in that way. He doesn't make the greatest decisions in the world, and I won't put – that one of the two picks he threw on Saturday on him, that was again on Patman for bobbling it. But he has made some questionable decisions in terms of his throws. He seems to have learned from them every time, so at least that uh, is a good thing. Um, but yeah, I, I think he did something like, I don't know, I, I think it's like 18 touchdowns or three interceptions or four interceptions or something like No, I think it's 19. Um, so he's had pretty good command of this offense so far, especially for how much he passes. Four interceptions to this point. Not to agree, just I think it's more than Gardner Minshew had. But he's also got a heck of a lot more touchdown passes in yards than Gardner Minshew had at this point.
1: And I don't know how much of the Utah USC game uh, you were able to watch. Obviously, Utah's mm-hmm. offensive line played terrible in that game. Uh, you know, on on the podcast we've been. Just breaking down how bad that they, they played, probably the worst games in in quite some time. I, I know a lot of people are gonna focus on, you know, the Washington State receivers and, and Utah secondary, but with Utah loving mm-hmm. to, to run the ball, and that's really where their offense started is, is that rushing attack. How do you think Washington State's defensive line and even linebackers will be able to handle a team that can run the ball like Utah?
3: I mean, frankly, they've not been very good at stopping the run so far this year. Um, Their run fits have not been good. They got much better in the second half against Houston. And I think given what Dorian Thompson Robinson was able to do to that secondary last week, they'd really prefer to play a team that relies more on rushing the football um, than throwing it. But they improved in that second half against Houston where they were pretty much just daring Derek King to throw the football uh or keep it which is a daring uh ploy to take but it worked um there have been some big holes on that defensive line so far this year i think that's been the biggest thing that has disappointed us so far this season because obviously i i know like you guys know with such a defensive minded team for so long is it really all does start up front and if those guys aren't filling gaps if they aren't getting good gap integrity if they're not getting into the backfield on their own it makes it harder on the linebackers and then that then makes it harder on the secondary um, I'd like to see them play a lot better in this game. This is really the first team they're going to face. That is not a, you know, a pass it all the time type squad. So this is, this is their first test against a really, really, you know, more, tra- I would say more traditional offense because Dana Holderson's offense at Houston is not very traditional. Um, so a lot more straight ahead running um, than they've seen so far this year. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it. I'm hoping better than they have handled running teams in the past.
1: And so with all that, I'm going to put you on the spot. What's your prediction for the game? If you have one already,
3: I, I, Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, it, it's so funny because, you know, it, it's been, I, I think as we record this, it's been, you know, almost three full days, um, since that game ended and I'm still not feeling much better. Um, I don't, I don't think you need to feel a lot better after that if you're a fan. Um, but the one thing I know is that Mike Leach always kind of finds a way to turn his team around. I don't know how he does it. I don't know if he bribes them with like, you know, burgers or maybe they'll all go to red iguana after the game or something, but he finds a way to do it. Um, and if, for whatever reason, historically, except for that first year, Leach was at Washington State when Utah absolutely blew the doors off Wazoo. Um, they played pretty close games every year. Um, even in 2017, I think when Washington State was really dominating on defense, they couldn't do anything offensively. And especially near the end of that game, it got really close. And of, of course, last year, I think it was, it was like 28-24 or something like that. So, um, a close game, I think. I think Utah was, an eight point favorite to open. I think that got bet down to like six, five and a half, something like that. That's probably about right. I would say something like 31 28 Utah, but I could very easily see that going the other way. These teams just play each other really close every time they play. I don't know why, um, but maybe there's something in the water um, every time either team goes to wherever they're going. But um, I, I, I think it'll be close, I think it'll be stressful. Honestly I'll just be happy if Washington State looks more like the team we thought they could near the beginning of the year. I obviously you know everybody wants to win, but um just something not as bad as Saturday would be lovely.
1: Awesome. So you can read us stuff at kookcenter dot com. And my where can people find you on social media?
3: We are at RM underscore Preston, also at Kook Center on Twitter, although that's really just game day stuff and we go all caps and lots of screaming and yelling and all kinds of fun stuff during that time. Uh, and also the Cook Center Hour uh, we have on Wednesday, our podcast that covers Washington State uh, and Podcasts vs. Everyone, our other great uh, podcast that covers you can find all that good stuff at cookcenter.com.
1: Awesome. Hey, Mike, thanks for jumping on, buddy.
3: Yeah, of course. Thanks. Anytime.
1: Uh, so big thanks to Michael for jumping on. Be sure to check him out at com as well as Twitter at RM underscore Preston. Uh, so as we look at this Washington State team good golly i mean their best their best win of the season i guess is houston and i mean they didn't really play that great against them but man that ucla game holy
0: wow. cow i stayed up till 12:30 in the am to watch that
2: that that is the epitome of pac12 after dark oh, that
0: was that
1: goodness. was crazy and and i mean after hours honestly i still think ucla is garbage uh I, you know what was garbage? Both defenses. <laughs> Very true. I mean, you got to give. I mean, hats off uh, UCLA's quarterback DTR because he really, you know, stepped up in that second half, made a lot of plays with his arm, with his feet, and and special teams with UCLA came
0: up um, really strong. But to throw nine touchdowns and lose—that's insane. I mean, he he beat Minshew's record by two touchdowns, and they still lost the game. And I hope that means that that
1: was such an emotional, draining loss that they come in still kind of feeling down into Salt Lake. I hope Mike Leach spends a lot of time on the internet, like tweeting
2: stuff, just like he does most every other week. You so know, was
0: it true he tweeted at DTR pregame last I, week? I don't. Was it pregame or was it pre preseason or something? I don't know. I actually, don't know when it was. I just saw somebody said tweeted out that. This is because he tweeted at DTR, and it was, it was basically dissing him for his play. It's crazy.
1: I don't know if it's true, but it sounds
0: like a Mike Leach, <laughs> Mike
3: Leach thing he's, to he's, do. He's
1: a little out there. Uh, so, I mean, let's look at the Washington State team. Obviously, you know, I, I think people already know they like to throw the ball around. and like to do it a lot. Are you guys concerned? Concerned with what USC did? Just throwing the ball up, chucking it up. Uh, and getting big plays are does that make you concerned going against another team like Washington State that can throw the ball very
0: well here's the deal though with the the scheme is so well at least from what we saw, the scheme is completely different. I mean from what we saw against u s c they were just throwing prayers up that got answered when you watch washington state play it's it's more of a methodical offense. you find these guys running open underneath and they get yards after the catch and they just marched their way down the field. And I think their downfall the other night was I think they built built, built up a big lead and stopped playing, and then they started turning the ball over and let them back into the game.
2: Yeah. Well, and, and and some of those turnovers, I mean, just guys not protecting the ball, stupid mistakes that they made that and then UCLA would just go and take advantage of and score the next play, and that's how they got themselves back in that game. But I'll tell you what, Washington State is scary because we've had trouble with them year in and year out. They they don't have the most talented guys, but they've got a system that is so good. I mean, they've got eight guys that have caught touchdown passes this year alone. Eight different receivers, tight end, well, they don't really use the tight end, so eight wide receivers that have caught passes this year. That's crazy. That is crazy. And now we went up there last year and actually played them really well, shut them down from what they did, uh, um, you know, below their averages. And I I think, I, think they've, I think Whittingham has a good plan for them, but it's going to come down to guys making plays. Uh, Scally and Wick can, can get the perfect scheme. They can call the right plays at the right time, but unless guys go out there and make plays and make plays on the ball, it doesn't matter.
0: No, it's, it's going to
2: come thing. down to guys making plays. And you've seen it. They have made plays this season in, 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 in previous seasons. We know they can do it. You know, I I don't know if it's a lack of confidence at this point, but they've, they've got to bust out and they've got to play up to their level, um, level of expectation. And I, I, I truly think they're going to. I think last week was a big wake up game, a wake up call for this team. Ryan you mentioned it earlier you had the seniors who came back not to go to the Vegas bowl they came back cuz they wanted to make history and do something special for this university and it's still possible oh, sure. I know was, I yeah. know it's doom and gloom on on uh, on uh, on Twitter right now everyone's just ready to pack it in and the season's lost and let's be honest we all wanted the playoff but what were the chances of us actually making the playoff so so slim yeah, and the goal is, first of all, win the South, still still able to. I'll tell you what, if we, if you know anything about the Pac-12, we're just going to beat each other up. And yeah. USC is not
1: that good. They are going to lose at least two more games this year.
3: Well, let least. me just jump
1: in on that, Scott, because I, I tweeted this right after the game. With a, a P5 conference, especially one like the Pac-12, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And I think com- a fan base coming from the Mountain West... That conference came down to one or two games a year, right? It was either you had to beat BYU and, and TCU. And if you lost one of those games, you probably weren't going to win the conference. And I think that mindset still kind of in this fan base where they lost a game to USC and now there's no way they can compete for the South. And yes, they're behind the eight ball a little bit. They need some help. USC's going to have the tiebreaker. But it was game one. But it was game one. There's still a lot of games rest of the season. And and, what Scott, to what you're saying, the Pac-12, everyone's going to beat up on each other. Whittingham even said today in his press conference that the South Division champion wasn't going to go undefeated.
0: Well, just look at last year. Utah started 0-2, lost our running back, lost our quarterback midway through all of that, and still won the South.
2: With three losses in Pac-12 play. Now I don't th- I don't think that's going to happen again. No. I think I think if we lose three, we're out of it. I think m- maybe do you have a shot with two losses? But uh, I, and
1: the other thing is, are the losses coming from the North teams or, or South teams, right? Because the tiebreaker comes into that. Luckily, last year the two lo- two losses were Washington, and Washington State, so that doesn't hurt you in the tiebreaker, and that's how you know how they were able. Um, but I'll tell you, ASU's
2: already got a loss on the season. You know, Colorado's going to beat some guys and. Some guys are going to beat them, so it we're just going to eat continue to eat eat each other alive, and whoever comes out on top probably
1: was going to have two losses. I I I would I would be pretty confident saying that. I it could be more to that point. I mean, what USC? I mean, right now they're in the driver's seat, um, but I mean they're going at Washington this week. They still have the Arizona schools. They still have Oregon. They're going to Boulder. And Colorado always gives USC a tough game, especially at altitude in Boulder. Uh we saw what Montez did this past week uh, with Arizona State. So yes, I it's still up in the air. Utah, I know we kind of joked at the beginning of the episode that their playoff hopes are, are dead and but there's still a lot to achieve. And and hopefully this team with the, with the senior leadership it has doesn't let this loss to USC kind of weigh on them too much longer. So they can come out this Saturday against Washington state with some fire.
0: Uh, I think you're right. And I think there's two things that give me hope for this weekend's game is one kind of the embarrassment and lack of effort that we saw. I think that I think Scott's right. I think that's a wake up call for this team because their intentions were to win this thing. And I really think they're going to bounce back from that. Secondly, if the defense can play average defense against Washington State's offense, I think our our offense, Utah's offense, is going to be able to put points on the board. Washington State's defense is not good. If UCLA can put 67 points on them on their home field... They so (laughs) poo-poo. Washington State's had some decent defenses in the past that have kind of made us struggle. Granted, our offense always struggles, at least in years past. But from what, our, what we've seen of the, our offense this year, we can move the ball, and this defense is a great time to move the ball.
2: Yeah, you're going to get your opportunities. And I think easily we can put up 30-plus points on these guys. The question is, can we keep them <laughs> under that? 30-some 30, 30 odd points for them is not, uh, not all that much, so you're going to have to keep them pretty well under, under their average unless the offense can absolutely go off. And, and, I, and I, to your point, I think we can. It's a home game, you know, quite honestly, the weather's not supposed to be all that great. I, I, would, I hope it's windy. I hope it's, it's
0: really, it's pack 12 after dark, too. I, I hope because
2: that will affect their passing game. It's not going to affect our running game. And they had, literally have no run game. So if if it's windy, that will play into our advantage. Maybe the uglier the elements, the better. Although it is a little ironic that it'll be the third game of the season. We've had crap weather every...
0: It's been hot and it's been, been hot and cold and wet.
2: Isn't September supposed to be just the nice 8 o'clock t-shirt weather?
0: Not, not this year.
2: You know what would have been great? Those first two games at 8 o'clock. Thanks, Larry. Jerk.
1: All right, so we kind of hit the point of the show where we, you know, do some picks for the Pac-12 and then end with our Utah score. We have a message from a great podcast, the 12 Pack Radio.
0: Hey Ute fans, it's Brian with 12 Pack Radio. Like you, we're
1: big fans of the Utah Man podcast and are glad you're tuning in. If you're jonesing for some additional Pac 12 coverage, then check out our show, 12 Pack Radio, with Sports Illustrated Gambling's Max Meyer. We use advanced stats, hold free contests, and provide an in depth look at the Conference of Champions. And we're high on the Utes, so we've had Cam and Scott on the show multiple times. Not Ryan, though, he's in the boo box. But if you're looking for some Utah love, we're happy to oblige. We've had great guests and it's a good show. So search for 12 Pack Radio anywhere you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at 12 Pack Radio. That's 1-2-P-A-C-Radio. So Brian and Rob do a great job. Definitely check them out. Your favorite podcatcher. So last week, Scott and I, you and I tied 3-1. and one. Think- I got I a thank you, Colorado. I got a bone to pick with you on that. Oh yeah, no, you really went zero and four. Yeah, you
2: did, you didn't give me credit for any of my p- actual picks on the 4. show,
1: Ryan. You went two and two. So on the year, let me pull that up. Scott, you and I are back at five hundred, six and six, and we've Ryan, climbed out of the doghouse seven.
0: House. I'll take I'll take a a, a loss when uh, ASU takes a loss. I'll, I'm fine with that. Okay, well, Scott and I will
1: just pick, continue to pick ASU losses and get them correct.
0: We'll, we'll just continue to
1: uh, further that gap. I'm more my
0: Utah football
1: team <laughs> than my personal picks. Th- they meaningless.
2: <laughs> Cam, which gap is bigger, the BYU Utah talent gap or the Ryan and Scott and Cam picking? <laughs> I'm gap?
0: only up by one game. What are you so talking he's, about?
1: He's, every season he always comes in dead last. Yep,
2: that's what the Cougar board says too.
1: So looking at these game, looking at the games this week. First one, Arizona State traveling to Berkeley to play the Golden Bears of Cal. Cal Cal's a four and a half favorite right now as we're recording. It's my week to go first. I think Cal gets it. They're playing super, super good right now. Their defense is playing lights out and their offense is not hurting them at this point. So I'm going to go with the Golden Bears. Scott? Yeah, I I gotta go with Cal on this. They're playing they're playing
2: really well. That that defense um has not disappointed. They're they're playing at a really high level. The offense is still mediocre, but it's but it's
1: it's better than it was last year. Okay, I don't know if you guys saw that though. Their Cal's game against Ole Miss, that stop on the goal line. Whew a little pack twelve re- ref action. Yeah. Pac twelve no, ref no after dark. On, no review on that one. Ray, where are you going? I'm going Cal as well. Mm. So we got Cal going across the board. Two losses for ASU to start. Conference play would be very nice. Go Berkeley. Go Herm. The next game, UCLA's traveling to take on the Arizona Wildcats. Arizona's 7.5 point favorite, but UCLA's coming off a big win. 50 points in the second half against Washington State. I still think that was a fluke. I still think UCLA's garbage, and I will die on that hill. I'm taking the Wildcats. Scott? Well,
2: uh, that's a tough one because I think I would agree with you to an extent that that was a fluke, and can they, can they continue to do that? But that could be the spark that that program and that team has needed to get going because I'll tell you, you score 50 points in one half, that's going to give that offense a lot of confidence. Arizona's a little up and down. Oh, that's a tough that's a tough call. I'm going to go against my better judgment. I'm going to go UCLA on that one.
0: Go with the A-clap, right? I don't know either. I think I don't think we've seen a, enough of either of these teams to know exactly what they're like, but uh with Arizona coming off a bye week and being at home and I and I really don't think UCLA is uh i think it was a fluke there's no way they're gonna turn that into 60 points week in and week out so i'm gonna go with arizona and the last
1: game we're picking from the pac 12 usc traveling up to seattle to play the huskies huskies are right now are a 10 point favorite they looked really good against byu easton just kind of picked byu's secondary apart I wasn't very high on Washington to start this season, but I'm slowly becoming a believer in them. So I got the Huskies winning that one.
2: Alright, I got uh Washington did look good, but look at the competition. No, just kidding. Just kidding, BYU. Um They did look pretty impressive. I I just I just don't I don't believe in USC playing they're they're a different team at home than on the road. Washington's, they look really good. I'm, I'm going to go u on that.
0: Well, from the standpoint of we need USC to lose, well, I'm going to definitely be pulling for Washington. And I being at home, uh, I think I'm going to go with the Huskies. And the last game
1: we're doing, Utah is hosting Washington State Cougars. Utah's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I was surprised by that. I didn't think it I would be too. That, that high of a spread for the Utes. But, heck, I'll take it. So, I think Utah gets the win in this one. I'm going 24-21. I think the Utes make it ugly, kind of like what they did last season uh, up in Pullman. And I think Redding kicks a field goal to win the game. So, I got 24-21 Utes. Scott? Tough one. I'm still pretty high on my Utes, man. I, uh,
2: I, think, I think they win this. And I think the, I think the defense is going to bounce back. They're going to have, uh, they're going to have a much better performance, but I still think Washington state's going to put up some points. So I'm going to go 35, 31 Utes.
0: I am not giving up on my Utes. They're going to bounce back. Defense is going to step up. Points will be scored by the offense. Utah 37. Washington state
1: 28 i like it hopefully utah can get that win ryan where can people find you on twitter at drum and feather drum
0: the letter N.
1: feather and scott uh you man underscore forever forever ever forever ever you can follow me on twitter and instagram at utah man podcast you can download our show anywhere you listen to a podcast we are there And you can always go to our home at utahmanpodcast.com and go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. will be till I die. Kayak. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the
0: University of Utah. The bride and groom are walking back up the aisle. This guy swings, goes right off the toe of his club, right into the crowd. I was just, I I didn't. I just turned and ran. You know how that you know how the T box is up. Yeah. So I like ran on the backside, laid down. Did you really? <laughs> <laughs> laid down. Oh <On> my leg. <laughs> did, anyone,
1: did anyone get hit?
0: I, nobody said anything. But I was I was dying. Did he not yell for? He did. But I was just like run. I'm like, oh my gosh.